0: hello good day good evening good afternoon wherever you are god bless you how are you doing so this is welcoming you to another sunday we always always love to have you with us i hope you've had a great week and it's slowly winding down august so i hope it's been a great month if it hasn't Wait for it; it will surely, surely come. So uh, we have been discussing life lessons from David, and we will be concluding today. But I think today we're going to really, really dig into the man that was David and what lessons we can draw from his life. So uh, we're going to be discussing his life mainly as a father and what we can learn from what happened in his family. And this isn't necessarily you know, for fathers or for men or anything like that. No, they're just general lessons that all of us can learn. Like I was discussing with my husband, one of the reasons we have scripture and we have the Bible is because it's so we can learn from other people's experiences, so we can look out for things we, can, we should avoid, the things we shouldn't do, the things we should do better. Um, it's one of the reasons God has given us all these life experiences of other people or people who lived before us. You know, we call them Bible stories, but they're not really stories. They're not fiction. They're not myths. They're not legends. These things actually happened to people who knew God and who walked with God. So one of the reasons we have them is for us to learn. And we're going to be digging deeper. We're going to look at four lessons we can learn from his life. So let us dig in, let us pray. Father, we thank you. We bless you, we glorify you, we honor you. Thank you, Lord God, for another opportunity to hear your word. We ask that your word will come with clarity, with conviction, that we may understand and that we may learn and put to work what we are hearing. In the name of Jesus, amen. I want to thank Pastor, for letting me start from again to share i am very grateful so from the records from scripture um it said that david had about eight wives about eight wives some people say eight wives before Bathsheba. some people say eight wives including Bathsheba. but are about eight he said he had concubines nobody knows how many concubines he had remember the story of him leaving um the palace you know, when he fled from Absalom. And he left a number of concubines, you know, back at home while he was going. So he had a number, no one knows how many he had altogether. Um, And the records are that he had about 18 children, about 18 children. So quite a big family, quite a big family man. And we must understand at that time, polygamy was the order of the day was the end of the day. They had that understanding. They had that in their culture. They had that in the way they were conditioned, their social constructs and the social conditioning. At the time, that was how they did things and they understood how to work it. I don't know how they did it, but they understood how to work it. As we know, when Jesus came and with the the beginning of the church, things changed. But at this time, Polygamy was the order of the day. Um, So he had quite a few we know of his wife Michael who was Michael who was David um, Saul's daughter we know about Abigail who was Nabal's wife we know about ahinom of Jezreel we know who was I think she was Amon's mom we know about Haggis who was Absalom's mom um, and then Bishop of course who was Solomon's mom so there were a number but I want us to dig into who he was as a father. From scripture, most of the issues we saw in his family started after his encounter with Bathsheba. That was when the issues started, and we're going to go to that, you know, later on. But that's that's not what we're going to start. We're going to start with the story of Amnon. So Amnon was um, one of the king's sons. Um, he was one of the older king's sons. Um, who, who had a lot of influence, and for some reason he got infatuated um, with his sister, and the Bible says he got so infatuated with her that he became unwell. You know, which is, you know, puzzling to say the least. You know, he became unwell, and you know, he, one of his cousins, unfortunately a bad cousin, came to see him and gave him some bad advice so when your dad comes to see you just tell him to send your sister to make you some food so that you could eat off her hand and make you feel better and we'll, let's just read from second samuel chapter 13 we're just going to read two verses we're going to read a lot of scripture but i'm going to i mean i'm going to be choosing a few key verses and then i would as much as i can tell you the rest of the story so i'm laid down and pretended to be ill I actually pretended to be ill When the king came to see him, Amnon said to him, I would like my sister Tamar to come and make some special bread in my sight that I may eat from her hand. David sent word to Tamar at the palace. Go to the house of your brother Amnon and prepare some food for him. You know, they're just two verses, but there is a lot in here. First of all, David was a caring father, because, you know, busy man, Eighteen kids, eight wives, king over Israel. And this was the big Israel wars to fight and all that. But one of his kids, he had, he was pretending to be ill, wasn't well. And he went to see him. He went to see him, he showed concern. It's a shame that, you know, in this day and age, there are actually parents who don't show concern for their kids, even when they're adults. This was an adult child, you yeah. know. So, he went in to see him and Amnon made his request and David immediately gave others so that is good but also there is there was something on the line which David did not pick up there was something on the line we could say this was all in the plan because God had already said what he was going to do in this house and our calamity was going to befall them. So it was all in the plan. But I'm I'm going to look at this from every angle so we can learn as much as we can, you know? There was something David didn't pick up. First, he didn't pick up that Amnon was pretending. And that this was, you know, a plot to do something that wasn't going to be pleasing. Maybe I didn't even know at the time what was the way things would play out, but this wasn't the best of things. So as as parents, we need to be discerning. We really need to be discerning. Sometimes our children are requesting something or saying something to us, but there's something underlying. There's something in the background. So we need to probe a little bit further. We shouldn't take things at face value. We shouldn't take things. And this is not just with our children, with other things, with people. Someone can request you to do something, even in the office, and the person wants to put you into trouble. This is why we need to be sensitive spiritually. So one can just something simple. Oh, why don't you sign this? Or why don't you come, let us go and do this? Or, or why don't you follow me or watch me do this? And the person wants to implicate you and you may not know. So we need to be really discerning with our actions, and this is why we, we cannot neglect our devotion, our place of prayer, hearing from the Holy Spirit. Very important. Because, don't forget, you know, I'm not judging, because of course David is an Old Testament um, man of God. We have the Holy Spirit inside us who can tell us, no, look well. No, don't go. No, this might not be the right step. Because if he did have the Holy Spirit, you know, maybe he would have gotten that inkling. Mm-mm. Tell him, no, somebody else will come and do this for you. You know, look into it a bit further. Or say, okay, maybe she should go with somebody else. Something like that. Anyway, there was something on the line and David didn't recognize this. This led to disaster. Actually, a crime being being committed towards town and led to a cascade of events because Amnon defiles Tamar. Tama is devastated and don't forget she's Absalom's sister, so she's Absalom's sister, same father, same mother. Absalom finds out, she comes and stays in Absalom's house, you know, you're a desolate woman and Absalom is very unhappy about this, very unhappy about this. I want us to look at what happened in 2 Samuel chapter 13 verse 21. When David heard See what it said. said one day when king david had all this he was furious that's where it ended you know she had gone to live with her but and he had it father king he was furious but he did not take action so that is the first lesson First lesson from his life take action or taking action when things go wrong taking action when things go wrong there were a number of things that could have done at this stage he could have someone um how could you have done this and actually wrote me into it you know he could have um called a family meeting said this is what has happened why did it happen you know okay how do we punish because if someone has done something wrong. The person shouldn't get off because the person is the king's son. I mean, this is the king we're talking about. Yes, we know that, you know, people who are in high places get away with evil. It shouldn't be. But when it's happening in your own house where you have authority in your home, you know, wherever it is, something you manage, your people around you, something goes wrong. Take action. Don't ignore it, especially when it happens, when it comes to your children correct, rebuke, punish, you know, within, you know, depending on the way you want you discipline your children. But this is important. Because even though these, these are all adult children, don't forget, they are not kids when this was happening. They were all adults. We don't know how old they were, but I believe they must have all been about 18. He should have, there were a number of things he could have done to write this and prevent what What's going to happen. But because he failed to take action, this cascaded into even more calamity. So Absalom, you know, was very upset about what happened and hid it in his heart, especially because David didn't take any action. And he plotted and he killed Amnon, his brother. In fact, the day he he killed Amnon somebody came you know a rumor came and and you know reached David that all Absalom killed all the king's sons all the king's sons were dead and David tore his clothes and wept and Absalom fled but finally they told him no 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 no, only Amnon It's killed Absalom and um, killed him the other kids were okay and you know, it was said that David banished him. He didn't really banish. Absalom so fled, but Absalom knew he couldn't come back because of what he did. And it took some time. after. We don't know how long, because of time. And um, David, the Bible says, he became consoled after Ammon died. So you know how things are, they're hot and then they begin to resolve themselves. And uh, David now began to long. Absalom to come back because he really really loved him he was a special child to him but what I want us to see from this which leads me to the second the second point in this or the second lesson I want us to learn from David the family man is alienation you know no matter what happens alienation and distance destroys relationships doesn't do any good to relationships. And we see this happen all the time. You know, we're angry with our brother, and then we don't talk to them for one year, two years, or three years. You're angry with your son. And this happens a lot between fathers and sons. Your son does something to you, or you feel disrespected or whatever, and you just create that distance, and don't talk to him, and stay away from him. It's a a relationship destroyer. Worst day happens in a marriage where a man and his wife, their issues, and then you just create distance and then they make the other person I isolate the other person. It doesn't do any good. And I dare say this was when Absalom's issues started. You know, when I mean his issues, his issues where it came to overthrowing his father. Because already from from the the things he had done by killing his own brother, there was already a problem, which as I said, David should have addressed when it happened. You know, you don't address issues by distance. You know, we've been having a marriage college and I'm talking a lot about communication and things like that. No, And we talked about conflict, conflict uh, resolution a few uh, weeks ago. And no problem gets solved by distance, by ignoring people, by stonewalling, by sending someone away, by disowning someone. It doesn't solve any problem. It might make you feel good in the meantime. It might make you feel, you know, feel like oh you took them more high ground or make you feel good in yourself or i'm not bored and you know you can't mess with me but the truth is it doesn't solve any problems it doesn't do anything for your relationship it doesn't do anything for your family because it just causes it more tension the is it, it doesn't work but we keep using it as if it works we keep using it as if it works so because David really wanted Absalom back, you know, he didn't show it. Joab Joab had a little plot and, you know, manipulated a few things for David to bring him back. David finally brought him back and said, yes, he can come back, but still didn't see him for two years. Still didn't see him. Second Psalm chapter 14 verse 28 says, Absalom lived two years in Jerusalem without seeing the king's face. Without seeing the king's face. So still, did not restore relationship. So when there is a problem within the family, make sure that the relationship is restored. And this is not just family family, also family of God, spiritual family. There is an issue. Make sure that relationship is restored. Just creating distance and throwing people away will not. It won't. It won't help. You it won't help that person. To so make sure that the relationship is restored. And I and, and it is because of this, or my, that is this is my own opinion. You know, there's a way you would isolate someone for so long. You know, if a person would feel remorseful, and want to beg you and beg you and beg you, and you keep saying no, 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 no. They're asking you for forgiveness, forgive me, forgive me, and you keep saying no. At a point, that person will stop asking, will stop begging you. And may become rebellious towards you inside, you know, which is something else we should learn, you know, when dealing with our children. They ask for forgiveness, show they've changed, you know. Don't keep pushing them away, pushing them away, pushing them away. You would end up enabling them. You end up enabling them to culture a seed of rebellion and this is what happened to Absalom. So in chapter 15, this is when he was already, he was in Jerusalem. So in chapter 15, all of a sudden, he started thinking, what can I do? In the course of time Absalom provided himself with a chariot and horses and with 50 men to run ahead of him. Absalom behaved in this way toward all the Israelites who came to the king asking for justice. And so he stole the hearts of the people of Israel. So one of the interesting things, he was a very, very, very smart man, I have to say. He looked for a, niche, uh, he looked for a gap, what they call a gap in the markets it looks for like a gap in the market he saw that maybe you know maybe at that time king was really really busy or out to war or didn't have a lot of people who were you know representing him to solve the people's problems you know when you're a leader you really really have to be in touch you always have to be listening what do they want what do they want it's, it's not very easy to be a leader what do they want what can we do what can we do you have to always be thinking of the you know that sort of thing and if you remove your eyes from it you know, so that's when your push can easily come in and win the hats of the people this was what happened there was a gap in the market so he positioned himself to fill that gap and he actually succeeded he actually succeeded so he did it for four years four years this was a patient man a man with a plan he did it for four years four years and this also goes to show there wasn't that communication. This is, this is why relationship is so important. You know, the people who hurt us the most are the people who are closest to us. Or the people who can have the ability to hurt us the most. So we have to make sure that we are maintaining the right relationships. Especially within our homes. Within our homes. The right relationship. Check in. Checking everyone's heart, that everyone is okay. Everyone is, you know, if there's, if there are things, you sort it out and make sure that the love unit is tight. It's tight because the enemy, more than ever, always wants to come to divide and conquer, to divide, to divide and rule. And when he comes, just one person and everything can just fall apart. So he did this for four years, for four years. Absalom said to the king, this is he now came to the king and let me go to Hebron and fulfill a vow, and even to see the king, because he finally got to see the king after those two initial two years. You know, even to see him, he had to, you know, cause trouble. He had to go and burn up. If any other Jew had to come to him, I'm like, why did you do that? They've been asking you to come, and you didn't want to come, and that was how he was able to go and see the king. So, at the end of four years, after them said to the king, "Let me go to Hebron and fulfill a vow I am made to the Lord." While his servant was living in Gershaw in Aram, I made this vow. If the Lord takes me back to Jerusalem, I would worship the Lord in Hebron. And the king said to him, Go in peace. And he went to heaven. Again, David not being very discerning. Not being very discerning. As I said, this was in the Old Covenant. This was an Old Testament. King, you know, we need to be very sensitive, very discerning. Then Absalom sent secret messengers throughout the tribes of Israel to say, as soon as you hear the sound of the trumpets, then say, Absalom is king in Hebron." And that was what happened. And they finally were able to evict the king even though all that was sorted in the end. caused a lot of trouble, division, that at the end of the day. So you know, as I said, the second point for me was mainly restore relationships. Alienation does nothing. Alienation and distance destroys relationships and builds, or the outcome is finally calamity. Amen. So we're going to the third lesson I want us to learn, and we'd read from Second Samuel chapter eleven. So this is the Bathsheba story. And here I want us to look at the consequence of sin, lost, and delegating responsibility. The consequence of sin, lost, and delegating responsibility. So, Second Samuel chapter eleven, verse one. In the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah, but David remained in Jerusalem so the underlying factor we we find here is was David delegating his responsibility as king the bible says here that it was a time when kings go to war kings go off to war David sent his commanders and stayed back so sometimes we're in the wrong place at the wrong time and this can be a problem we're in the wrong place we're in the wrong city We're in the wrong job. We're in the wrong relationship. Or just simply at a wrong time. At the time when kings should be at war. At the time when kings should be at war. The Bible says that there is a time for everything. There is a time when you should be somewhere. There's a time to be young. There's a time to be old. There's a time to go to work. There's a time to come back. There's a time to sleep. There's a time to be awake. There is a time for everything. And it's so important that we utilize our time well. Time is one of those resources that we can't call back. We can't get back. We waste it, it's wasted. It's gone, it's gone. You can't be four anymore. You can't be five anymore. You can't be two. You can't be 15 because that time has gone. It's something I always tell my children. Once the time is gone, you can't regain it. You know, it's true we trust God for restoration and we trust God for speed. But wisdom is profitable to direct. When we utilize the time that God has given us well, then our outcomes are good. So this was the underlying factor here. He was in the wrong place, or maybe even in the right place, but at the wrong time. Amen. And he was wandering about in his house, and saw this beautiful woman said, bring her. He said, she's someone's wife. He said, bring her. You know, I'm not going to, going to go into all the dynamics of, was it forced? Was it not forced? Did he use his authority and all that for another place, another time? But end result was he committed adultery. I want us to look at what God said. You know, because God was really, really hot by this. I want to look at what God said to Nathan, the prophet, because he sent Nathan and told Nathan, come and tell him, you know, Nathan's so wise, you know, broke it down to him in a way he could understand, told him a story and he was angry. That man should die and he should pay back four times. You know, so fast that he said, this is the law, adultery. You know, man who does this sort of thing, takes away something from somebody else that doesn't belong to him, even though he has, he should die. And Nathan said, You are that man. You are that man. 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 8. It says, I gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your arms. I gave you all Israel and Judah. And if this had been too little, I would have given you even more. Why did you despise the word of the Lord by doing what is evil in his eyes? You struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and took his wife to be your own. You killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. Now, therefore, the sword will never depart from your house because you despised me and took the wife of Rar the Hittite to be your own. God said, you despised me. Because after Rar died, you died, know, you know, even that action he took, God, God wasn't pleased with it. He took... Had to become his own wife god wasn't pleased at all god wasn't pleased God said if if it was small if everything I gave you was small I could have given you more you see greed is a terrible thing lost and greed it's 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 really bad you know it's like a child who will who you give food from a pot. Say you cooked a big pot of jollof rice and it's so tasty. And you give a child, you fill his plate with food. And you go upstairs. And that child finished eating that one and goes and takes more from the pot without taking without asking you. Goes and takes more from the pot and eats my wishes. plate. Who touched this rice? I don't know, it's not me. If you had asked me, I could have given you more. There was food. What did you have to steal? Because in my own house, I consider it stealing. Because in my own house, we, we all for the kids, you have to ask before you take anything. There are some people who you can just take things, you know. Depends on how you regulate your your your, your space. But this is what God is saying. If you had asked me for more, if what if what I'd given you was small, If you'd asked me for more, I would have given you more. But no, you went and took that one that belonged to somebody else. You went and took what somebody else had. And look at the consequence. Look at the consequence. Look at the repercussions that had to come and how his kids had to die. Because this was the genesis of the problem. And how his kids had to die and how he had to suffer loss and how he had to get exiled because of one action that he took. It's for us to really, really judge ourselves. You shouldn't judge ourselves, should judge ourselves. You should ask ourselves deep questions. You know? The thing, that thing that we are lost after, that we are craving, that little sin, you know, the Bible calls it, you know, small foxes. Those little sins, are they worth it? Are they worth it when you look at the repercussions, the repercussions, the consequences of sin? In verse 13, David David said to Nathan, I have sinned against you. Nathan replied, the Lord has taken away your sin. You are not going to die. But because by doing this, you have shown utter contempt for the Lord, the Son born to you will die. You know. That goes again to the heart of David. And it is humility. It is taking responsibility. Some of us, it's so difficult for us to take responsibility. You've done something wrong. You can't even say, I'm sorry. You can't own up to it. I made a mistake. Oh, I should have had better judgment. Oh, I should have done it in this other way. We stand on what we, yeah, I did, not uh, I thought it was like this. No, 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 I did it. You know, we stand on it. We stand on it. So responsibility. And you go to Psalm 51. You see how broken he was after that. Broken. Repentant. And of course, he never did anything like this again. So he was truly repentant. He was truly repentant. But I really, really want us to look at this that there are repercussions, there are consequences when we go astray. And the truth is, as we grow in maturity and as we develop our relationship with God and our intimacy with God, God will hold us to account for our actions, God will hold us to account for our decisions. You know? There are things you will get away with as a baby Christian, that as a fully mature Christian, you will have to bear consequence for. So we should even hold ourselves to higher, to a higher standard. You know, the more mature we become, the more we know God, the more we should fear him, the more we should hold ourselves to a higher standard. Amen. So finally, we're going to be looking at something positive and i want us to look at solomon because i believe that david after everything he had been through he truly fathered solomon he truly fathered solomon you know and the last one was, you know uh, uh, the last lesson i want us to look at is intentional positive action produces the right outcome intentional positive action and we can see it from the life of solomon you know, he was a child that God really, really loved. But David played a huge role in preparing him to be king and in laying out, you know, the groundwork for him to do well. Let's go we Proverbs chapter 4, verse 3 and 7. And Proverbs, as we know, called the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David. And verse 3 of, of Proverbs chapter 4, says, For I too was a son to my father, still tender, and cherished by my mother then he taught me and he said to me take hold of my words with all your heart keep my commands and you will live." you know, you know and, and i heard this you know a few weeks ago many of us think that solomon's request just came out of the blue you know, he just came before god that day and he you know just dropped into he said like a coin why oh, should just ask for wisdom no he was tutored He knew it was what was important. He knew exactly what to ask for. He knew exactly. He was ready. So when God appeared to him that day and said, what do you want? He knew what to ask for. Because David had told him what was important. David had told him what he needed to succeed in life. David had told him. And let's look at the charge David gave him in 1 Kings chapter 2. When the time drew near, from verse 1, when the time drew near for David to die, he gave a charge to Solomon, his son. I am about to go the way of all the earth, he said. So be strong, act like a man, and observe what the Lord your God requires. Walk in obedience to him and keep his decrees and commands, his laws and regulations, as written in the law of Moses. Do this so that you may prosper, in all you do, and wherever you go. So he communicated to Solomon his heart, and he communicated to Solomon the promise that God made him. And he became, you know, the protector of that promise, not just the possessor of it, but he also became responsible to hand it over. You know, what he finally did, you know, is his, his son made his decision, which caused the kingdom to break. But God still honored his word because of this promise he made today. But he made Solomon the custodian of this promise. He told him what God had promised him. He gave him a charge and told him, see, obey God's word. This is where success is. This is where prosperity is. Obey God's word as it's written out, out. Walk in his ways. So I believe that with Solomon, David had come to a place where he knew, I cannot make a mistake with this child. I need to intentionally do the right thing where it comes to him, And he made sure that Solomon was ready and able to succeed. He set him up to succeed. And this is what we need to do as parents. Set up our children and those coming after us, or those who we mentor, or those who are learning from us. We should set them up to succeed. As we get older, we should begin to communicate God's heart. Then we should begin to communicate God's promises concerning them. There are things that God has told you concerning your children, the things that God has told you concerning yourself. You begin to communicate them. Don't wait, begin to tell them, begin to tell them. And these will become the guiding principles for their lives. But most importantly, is the lesson. That intentional positive action. So you need to be intentional, but you need to think about what do I need to get to get from A to B. I need to travel to the next town, Liverpool. What do I need to get there? I need to get up, I need to dress up, I need to enter my car, I need to drive, I need to make sure that there's fuel in the car that can take me there. I need to know where i'm going to when i get there intentional positive action so that is where the outcomes and this was the difference between solomon and all the other sons of david because even when it was time for solomon to be king the came up with his own issues but what happened the truth finally prevailed Amen. so i think this i mean these four things we've just learned from the life of david and it caught, as I said, it's not just for family; it's for our lives. We don't need to make the same mistakes that people have made. We can learn from them and build. We can learn from them and build. So, what have we learned? What have we learned? What have we learned? Number one, I'm just going to go over them again. Take action when things go. Don't ignore it. Don't sweep it under the carpet. Don't forget it. Don't wave it off. Take action. Because when you take action, you prevent other things from happening. You prevent it from happening again. You correct things. You correct people. Two, alienation. Distance. Destroys relationships. Stonewalling. Isolating people. Destroys relationships. Does not do good and you run the risk of enabling the seed of rebellion to rise. Very, very important. Number three, the consequence of sin, of greed, of lust, and your responsibility. And finally, that positive, intentional positive action. For Jesus good Oh bless you, let